Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Luke's English Podcast is made possible thanks to donations from listeners and support from my sponsors, italki. Italki is the solution to that problem of not having the right person to speak English to or not being able to find a one-to-one teacher for regular English lessons. It's a network where you can find lots of teachers from many places, including the UK. You can kind of go shopping for an English teacher, basically. Uh, you can check their profiles, see their skills, see their experience, their prices. You can take trial lessons with them. And then when you're ready, you can get some lessons or talking time and italki will then send you a voucher for a free lesson. That's the deal. But that will only work if you use my URL, which is teacherluke.co.uk slash talk, or you can click an italki logo on my website. That's how you get that free lesson. If you're looking for regular speaking practice or one-to-one lessons, check out italki, teacherluke.co.uk slash talk, or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing all right. I'm uh, recording this in the middle of a thunderstorm. There's a big storm going on outside. I don't know if you can hear the sound of the heavy rain coming down outside. You might be able to hear thunder in the distance. Uh, It's quite dramatic. There's been hail. Hail, that's like when ice falls from the sky. It's like rain, but frozen rain, so like lumps of ice. And the hailstones were about a centimetre in diameter, which is actually very large for this part of the world. So there's been hailstones, there's been lightning, there's been thunder. Um, It's all very dramatic. Um, You might be able to hear it going on in the background. Anyway, here's a new episode. And this one is a conversation with my mum about the royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, which happened last Saturday. I received a few uh, messages from listeners, requests, asking for me to talk about this subject. So here we go. Um, I also have some things to say about the British Podcast Awards, and I know that I've spoken about this probably too much recently, but I expect that this will be the last time I'll be talking about this subject. Uh, The results came in at the weekend. Yes, the results are in. So I just want to explain very briefly what happened. This should only take about a minute. I'll just say one or two things now, and I'll probably talk more about it at the end of the episode as well. So what are the results? Well, some of you already know the results and because you got emails or whatever um, and you'll know that this year unfortunately I didn't win one of the medals I didn't win any of the medals unfortunately no bronze no silver and no gold in the listeners choice award however I do know that I was in the top 10 so I was in the the top 10 podcasts in the listeners choice award I just didn't get into the top three 
I don't know exactly where I was. I don't know if I was number four or five or six or whatever, but I was in the top 10, which is actually amazing still. That's still amazing to get into the top 10 considering the competition I was up against. So even though I didn't get bronze, silver or gold, which obviously was very disappointing at the time when I found out the results, I was disappointed um, on Saturday evening. But I I do actually feel happy uh, to have got into the top 10. So thank you very much for your votes. And that's that. Okay, right. So I'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast because I've got some more things to say about it. But uh, let's get let's carry on now. And let's talk about uh, this episode, which is a conversation with my mum about the royal wedding. So, oh, lightning. Obviously, you can't see that because it can you hear that? Thunder. And feedback, I think, with my headphones. I think you probably heard some feedback there. Sorry about that. Uh, So, yes, lightning, which you couldn't see, of course, and then thunder in the background, and some feedback from my headphones, which I might have to edit out. Anyway, the sounds of the storm going on in the background. So, yes, this morning I spoke to my mum on FaceTime, and we chose to talk about the royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, which happened this weekend on Saturday. I expect that you were aware of that. You probably knew about it. It was probably covered in the media and online. You might have watched it. I think it was live streamed on many channels and networks around the world. I don't know what you think of the royal wedding. You might be fascinated by it, as many people are. But equally, you might be completely fed up with it. I don't know where you stand. But since one of the purposes of this podcast is to provide you with authentic speech to listen to as part of your learning English routine, and since we take a special interest in British things on this podcast, of course, the royal wedding seems like a logical thing for me to talk about, right? So how could I not cover this in an episode? Also, as I said before, I've received a number of requests from listeners asking for me to talk about this subject. So that's what you're going to get in this episode. Uh, A chat, in this case, with my mum, all about the royal wedding. And hopefully we will cover it in a fairly broad way, dealing with things like the wider issues of monarchy in the modern age, some of the unconventional aspects of the ceremony, and the different attitudes to the royal family that people in the UK have, as well as just stuff like talking about the dress and talking about some of the celebrities that were there at the wedding. Um, And yeah, and also attitudes about the royal family, because in the UK, not everybody is a flag-waving royalist. Some people don't really like the monarchy and they see big weddings like this to be a waste of taxpayers' money. Although technically it's not clear how much of this was paid for by the taxpayer. Um, I think as we established in the previous episode I did about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the royal family gets its money from a combination of public and private sources. And I think that a lot of the costs of this wedding were actually paid for privately. But anyway, plenty of people disagree with the wedding for various reasons. Plenty of people were uh, uninterested in it. Uh, But also, there are people like me who aren't completely sure how to feel about the monarchy one way or the other, but are interested in events like the royal wedding just as a fascinating spectacle 
and something that reveals many aspects of life in our country for good or bad. I don't really need to do any more introducing at this point, so let's just start listening to my conversation with my mum, and then you can hear our descriptions of the wedding and what we both think about all of it. Okay, so here we go. Hello mum, how are you today? Hello Luke, I'm fine, how are you? Very well, thank you very much. Good. It's a lovely sunny day here. What's it like there? Yeah, it's also a lovely sunny day here. Good. I thought I'd speak to you today because because <clears throat> um, there was like a big wedding, wasn't there, at the weekend? Uh, yes, there was. The royal wedding. Um, yeah. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Did you yep. watch? Did you watch that then? I did. I watched every minute of it. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Well, I sat, I decided, you know, obviously one had to watch it because it's an occasion. I mean, as you know, I'm not particularly a royal fan, but, you know, it's an occasion, something to watch. And it was such a lovely day. And I thought, you know, Windsor will be looking absolutely beautiful. And so I sat down to watch it. And the more I watched it, the more fascinated I became. This is interesting because you said you're not really a royal fan and yet mm. you really enjoyed watching the wedding. <laughs> So yeah. how, how, how do you account for that? How can you explain to my audience how you feel about the royal family? Because in a basic way, there's two positions, mm. right, that most people will probably be thinking of. Position one is, mm. I love the royal family, I love the queen, and, mm. I, you know, and that's why I watched it. And the other position mm. being, I hate the royal family, um, and uh, it's undemocratic, blah, 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 yeah. and yeah. so I refuse to watch it. But you are not a big fan of the royals, and yet you really enjoyed the wedding. So, Well, as you say, it is complicated. A few years ago, I think I would have described myself as a Republican. I didn't see the point of the royal family. I thought they were privileged and, uh, you know, a bit of a waste of space, apart from the Queen, who does a very good job as an ambassador. But the royal family as a whole, I, I really went off, particularly, I think, after all the Diana and Charles business. And I began to see the royal family for what it was. And it's very old-fashioned and staid and traditional and hidebound. And, um, and I thought, what's the point of them? Um, but now... I suppose because I'm older, maybe, but I, I do see them as, in some ways, quite a good thing because I don't see that a president would do any better than the Queen has done all these years because she's an extraordinary person. What will happen when she dies, I don't know. But nevertheless, it is a very interesting phenomenon that we have in this country with our royal family. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just interesting and fascinating. And this wedding was and like another chapter in the whole saga because it was so different really Go yes on. T- um, t- tell me <laughs> tell me why why was it so different well um partly because of the bride well mainly because of the bride i think because she's her own person she's a professional woman she's older she's older than harry she's experienced she's been married before which was incredible i mean in the days of Diana and Charles, there was no way that um, um, one of the mem- a member of the royal family could marry a divorced person. I mean, remember all the fuss over Edward VIII and Mrs. Simpson? Yeah. She was similar, in a way, if you want to look at it that way, because um, Meghan Markle is American and she's a divorcee, but the differences are huge. And the way she arranged the wedding, and I'm sure it was mainly her, that was another difference, because in the past, royal weddings have always been organised by the royal family, and they've all been very traditional and a bit stuffy and a bit worthy. Mm. But I get the feeling that this was her wedding. She organised it. She wanted to have a 
um, a black representation. Yeah. In, in, in terms of things like the uh, the minister who who did the yes. uh, that extraordinary <laughs> yeah. uh, service and yeah. also the gospel choir that was there yeah. and stuff yeah yeah so yeah, yeah go on uh, I've lost track of where I was now um, yes and the really fascinating thing to me was uh, to see Harry because he's always we we tend to think of him as um, a bit of a lad you know a bit of a cheeky chappy mm-hmm. but it was noticeable how nervous and emotional he was throughout the whole thing uh he really seemed to be feeling it very deeply and she was entirely in control and kept sort of reassuring him all the way through holding his hand and all the rest of it and i thought that was that was really touching yeah you mean it for you it felt really genuine like yeah like he was genuinely moved and yeah so um what does this reveal about their relationship then do you think well certainly on his side it looks to me like a love match and i've got no reason to um believe that it's not on her side but uh, she was so composed and um um of course she is an actress so she could have been acting the whole thing but i don't think she was i mean they just genuinely did look very happy the two of them and you don't often get that in royal weddings because they're so staid and um staid stayed sort of traditional and formal whereas this wasn't at all formal and i thought the uh, black preacher what was his name collins or something curry can't remember he was a bit he's a bishop an episcopal episcopal bishop um, from america and he was a real breath of fresh air michael curry Um, michael curry that's it michael curry yeah um i thought his address was just something else it was hilarious, really, and and it was fascinating to watch the reaction of the older members of the royal family, like Charles and Camilla and um, the Queen and Prince Philip. What was their reaction? Well, they just didn't quite seem to know what to do. They were all looking down and playing with their um, orders of service, and they just looked rather uncomfortable. Why do you think they would be uncomfortable? Well, because it's such a different form of... Um, you don't get that kind of address, that kind of delivery in the Church of England. It's all very, um, well, like I say, formal and follows a certain pattern and it's all very worthy and serious. And So uh, just describe to us then what Michael Curry's uh, delivery or what his service was like then. Many <laughs> well, people, do- Sorry, many people listening to this will have seen it and so they know exactly what yeah. we mean, but it's worth putting it into words because... That's what this is all about, isn't it, on Luke's English Well, it was, it was a performance. I mean, it, he didn't do the service, he just did the address. Okay. Um, but it was a real performance. I don't quite know how to describe it. It was very, very energetic and enthusiastic and very... Um, I mean, the, the Church of England is very... I keep saying the word formal, but it's, they it's, never get excited about things. It's they very never... reserved. I mean, it's the church. Yes, of, that's it, the it word. really is the Church of England. So it's yes. very kind of uh, reserved and stiff upper lip, and exactly. the, the emotions are held back, and yeah. everything is done um, in this kind of fairly sort of almost cold manner. I mean, yeah. like there's there's not really a lot of passion, and mm. not really a lot of um, authentic sort of feeling exactly. and, and stuff. In in the Church of England, it's all very kind of yeah. It's difficult to. Explain. Explain, isn't a bit it, really? hushed and reverent yeah very very solemn um yeah. and also everything's uh, very quiet and mm. we don't um get uh, over emotional 
Yeah. And uh, we just express uh, the sentiments uh, very carefully and very soberly. Uh, in the way in they've always way. been done. In the way they've always been done. Yeah. And uh, whereas this guy was very informal, he was he appeared to be improvising the entire yeah. thing. Yes. Um, there was a lot of emotion in there. Uh, yeah. He was very animated, uh, yeah. moving, gesticulating. Um, and talking in very emotional terms about yes, about, about about love, love. and and yeah. also being I mean quite uh, vague and um, yes. uh, ambiguous and weird. I mean a lot of the things he was saying were kind of weird cosmic um, yeah. things that it was quite incoherent. I thought we, well we thought he was coming to an end, and then he seemed to start up again and started talking about fire, the invention of fire, and at that point. The way the um, Charles and Camilla and Charles and William sort of looked at each other, and you could see they were. And Charles said something to William. I don't know what, but he was obviously saying, "Is this fellow ever going to finish?" Controlled fire in that plane got me here. Fire makes it possible for us to text and tweet and email and Instagram and and Facebook and socially be dysfunctional with each other. Fire makes all of all of that possible. And and Deschardins said fire was one of the greatest discoveries in all of human history. Yeah. Because I think he went on for about 20 minutes, didn't he, altogether? I can't remember, but it, I, I was watching this during my lunch break at work because mm. I was at work um, on Saturday. Uh, but during the lunch break, um, I got one of the laptops out and started watching it. And uh, I don't know how long it was, but for me, it felt really long. It was too long. He it, should have stopped in the middle when he when we thought he was going to stop, yeah, uh, and not not gone on about fire and everything. It felt uh, really he, uncomfortable. I have to say, when I was watching it, I felt so awkward. <laughs> uh, I could just feel the atmosphere in the church where you expect some of the people who are a bit more relaxed and laid back and cool. You know, people like you know some of the celebrities and maybe some yeah. of the people on Meghan's side, uh, some of her friends and her guests and things probably found it hilarious. And um, well, they were probably used to it. Maybe yeah. I mean, if they were American, they're probably used to that style of um, address. But uh, English people aren't. All the English the people, whole. especially the royals, they must yeah. have felt so uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I say, I think Charles, the, old, the older ones certainly did. But um, the younger ones, I mean, actually, I was watching it um, again yesterday because I knew I was going to talk to you about it and I wanted to refresh my memory. Yeah. And uh, in fact, Harry really seems to be taking it all in. He looked quite serious and sort of, again, in one of his emotion, more emotional looking moments. Um, and it did then make me wonder... Whether he, because it was very Princess Diane, wasn't it? Because she, Diana, she, Diana, because she was always very emotional and talked about love and all the rest of it. And it made me wonder whether it re was reminding him of her, of her. Right. Because he did look quite, you know, he was blinking his eyes quite a lot. And at one point he did wipe away a couple of tears. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't and be surprised. He, he probably, uh, yeah, he must have been thinking about her. He must have. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and I, f I really felt quite sorry for him. At that point, well, not sorry for him because I was happy for him, but it reminded me of um, that awful funeral, you know, where this oh. little boy was walking behind the coffin. Yeah, it's so sad, isn't it? That that, yeah. that image of uh, yeah. yeah, when yeah, that him and William, but particularly yeah. Harry, because Harry was that particularly much, he was yeah. that much smaller, and he probably didn't yeah. know what was going on, and just yeah, with these crowds, masses of people, yeah. uh, weird, all there, and, and just this poor little kid just yeah. uh, probably dealing with his own very personal grief yeah while all these other people around just 
Yeah. Yeah. So they must have been thinking, why are all these people weeping and wailing about my mother? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. It must have been terrible. Yes. For that little kid. Mm. You know, and it it reminded me seeing him, the way he was reacting during that sermon. And it was only towards the end when everyone was beginning to think, okay, that's enough now. (laughs) When he and uh, Megan looked at each other and had a bit of a laugh, a bit of a smile, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As though they were thinking, okay, that's enough. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you, you were talking about his reactions and um, the way she seemed so composed and stuff. Hmm. Um, and so you think it's all genuine then? You think it's all well, completely it, genuine? It certainly looked it. certainly looked it from his point of view. Isn't there a chance that this is, it's all been engineered, that the whole thing was kind of <laughs> prepared in advance, that... You know, all of it, like even the the way she removed the veil and, and looked up at him. Oh, you mean, oh, you mean that? All of oh, it. Maybe well. the whole thing was choreographed, like every single oh, of part it of it. Yeah, of course it was. It's all rehearsed. It, nothing goes off smoothly if you don't rehearse it. A big event like that has to be rehearsed. But I mean, but when it came to it, yeah. I thought it was very human. Okay. And, the, you know, he did, he, he removed the veil and he did it. You know, in a typical male way, he didn't quite know how to do it. And he was a bit sort of awkward about it, which made it even better. Yeah. What people always ask me, Hmm. um, and I'm talking about like students of English and stuff. What people always ask me is, what do British people think of the royal family? What do we think of the Queen? So Hmm. we've we've heard what you think about them. But uh, what does the country as a whole? I mean, how would you generalise our attitude towards... The, the, the monarchy and uh, towards this particular wedding? Well, uh, it's very difficult to say because I think, as you said, we're very split. Some of us are most definitely Republicans and would like to do away with them, you know, at a stroke and don't see the point of them and think they're, you know, it's old-fashioned to have this privileged aristocracy um having this privileged position in the country. Um And some people are completely berserk over them you know like film stars and and uh, other celebrities they treat them like that and just love them and follow everything about well you could see that on the streets there were these people who'd been sleeping on the streets for two nights beforehand to uh, so that they could see and they're all wrapped in the union jack and they've got pictures of them all and i mean they're completely over the top i do find it a little embarrassing when there's a big event like a royal wedding and the media all around the oh. world is just full of images of yeah. British people lining the streets wearing yeah. Union Jack jackets and Union Jack hats and f- waving yeah. their flags. And you think this is not really representative of what people are like. We're not all mad uh, Union Jack no. wearing uh, sort of loonies. Definitely not. Um, I mean, but I I'm- think a lot of the newspapers stoke it up. And I did get so sick of the whole thing beforehand. You yes. know, the, for the two weeks before the wedding, it seemed to be everywhere and all this fawning attention and, um, insi- you know, just going on and on about it. And even the television news. And I just got sick of it. But I mean, it's, but, a, it's an um, industry, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that's, that's a large part of this, that it's sort of a big in- industry. People treat them like celebrities because, I mean, they are, aren't they? I mean, they are just celebrities, really. A uh, lot of them are, yeah. When, you, when, you, when it comes down to it. Are, I mean, are they, though? <laughs> I just said that they are, but are they? Well, I think that the que- as I say, I think the Queen is extraordinary. She is um, very hardworking. She's very serious. 
Uh, I mean, she's 90, what is she, 93, 94, for God's sake? Mm. And she, the amount of work she does, how many 93 or four-year-olds do you know who work as hard as she does? And Philip, I was amazed to see him there because it was only a month ago he had a hip operation. But you know, like what, what some people will say is, well, yeah, it's, you know, you can say that she's a very hard-working 90-something-year-old, but um, not every 90-year-old in the country gets the same treatment that she does, that she's in, as you said, such a privileged position that perhaps uh, it's it's much easier when you're being chauffeur-driven around in the the in the most luxurious uh, Rolls-Royce car, or when you know every every single need is taken care of, and that you're looked after, you're given the highest level of care and attention it's possible to get. Mm. So it's not it's not the same as it is for everyone else for these people. I know that. I realise that. But, um, I mean, can you imagine how tedious it must be and how... I mean, I would be yeah. completely exhausted after about an hour yeah. of the kind of things that she does. Yes. Never being able to relax, you know. Yes, yes. Um, always being on duty, always being the centre of attention, everybody looking at you all the time. Just constant uh, protocol all yeah. the time you yeah. know all that protocol which is like mm. all that formality about yeah. how you're supposed to dress and how you're supposed to greet people mm. and what you should and shouldn't do and all the formal dinners and and yeah. having to meet these leaders from different countries and yeah. oh god yeah it must Utterly be exhausting tedious. yeah 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 so um you know i think she does a brilliant job and i as i say i don't know can't imagine what Charles will be like because that was another thing that was noticeable at the wedding how sort of tense and ill at ease he is all the time Charles yes is he tense and ill ill what yeah. was that ill at ease ill at ease uh-huh. never looks comfortable or in a position and I noticed again when I was watching it again yesterday to remind myself before talking to you um when they were saying their vows, which again was very t- touching, the two of them, because they were both looking at each other and really seemed to mean it. Yeah. Um, one of the shots showed um, Charles in the background and he all the time he was looking down at his programme. He didn't watch his son doing that important part of the ceremony at all, which I thought was bizarre. But maybe Charles, maybe he didn't want to burst into tears. <laughs> Because if he'd looked, if he'd been watching, maybe he would have started crying, you know. Maybe Maybe that was just him attempting to keep himself under control because you could imagine it would all be a little bit intense for him as Mm. well, you know, not just because he was watching his son get married, but also because the eyes of the world were were on him. And he must have been remembering his marriage to Diana as well. Yeah. Must have been. Yeah. And that was such a different thing. It must be quite hard for Charles to sort of justify it all to himself don't you think considering considering the way in which his marriage to diana was not a sincere marriage on his it was from his point of view and that to an extent she was kind of um she 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 was brought into the thing on false pretenses she was Uh, a lamb to the slaughter she was a lamb to the slaughter (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah i mean that was a true royal arranged marriage right she didn't realize the problem was she didn't know that yeah it was an arranged marriage but she didn't realize and yeah. she'd been chosen by the queen mother because yeah. she fit the profile 
correctly. Mm-hmm. She thought that it was a marriage of love, and she did. She completely bought the entire thing as a romantic uh, yeah. fairy tale, yeah. and she thought she was in a Disney film or something. Yeah. And then when reality struck, like probably immediately afterwards, when she realised, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just, I'm just a part of a, this system. Yeah. Um, and this wasn't really a, a, a love marriage. It's just more of a. Uh, that it's more that I was just the I looked like the right person for the job and this guy doesn't love me in fact he Mm. loves this Camilla woman and uh, I now have to just work every day and just go out and look pretty and uh uh and and all that sort of thing and um and it wasn't yeah it was it must have been hard to deal with but Charles now thinking back on it he must feel some level of guilt or responsibility over what essentially ended as a huge tragedy the story of Diana the story of Diana is a tragedy isn't it yeah, and in a way, he uh, was as much um, a victim of it all as she was, because he... Well, almost. Well, he was in that he was a victim of the system. He did, wasn't able to break away from the old idea of um, things being a certain way. So he couldn't marry someone who'd already been married to someone else. He couldn't marry a Roman Catholic. He couldn't marry this. He couldn't marry that. Um, and, you know, even though he loved Camilla... He couldn't marry her because she, although that was ridiculous as well, because he he could have married her early on in their relationship. She got fed up and went off and married someone else. I mean, he vacillated all the time. Vacillated. Couldn't make his, vacillated. Couldn't make his mind up. Right. Um, and it and it came to the point where he was getting embarrassingly old and he needed to get married. And as you say, the Queen Mother saw this girl and thought she's ideal. And in fact, Charles had been out with her sister. Yeah. Um, so he already knew this little girl as she was when he went out with her sister. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing was just a terrible mess, really. It was all very mismanaged. It was. And and also it was a symptom of the fact that the royal family had not really modernised. It hadn't uh, been yeah. able to keep up with the times. Yeah. Because the other people of Charles's generation were probably marrying a little bit later, yeah. Um, they they were operating in a different way. The culture had changed, and mm. Charles probably wanted to behave in line with the with the way the culture had changed, which was mm. you know sort of post sixties, uh, mm. post seventies, um, a, a much more relaxed um, situation where he probably mm. wanted to you know be with more women before he finally got married to to one, and so it was hard to choose the right one or something like that yeah um and but the royal family didn't really manage to 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 account for that change in in they couldn't culture. accommodate it no. and it's only and um, which is why that wedding on saturday was so extraordinary because it was um a real demonstration of the fact that they're being forced to change being forced um, to change well you know that that it, it's inescapable they can't get away from the fact that times have changed Yes. Fact, I mean, it was it was lucky that um, Harry is not the heir to the throne. Um, well, I, I mean, th- William has married just the right sort. Of, you know, he's done it perfectly for the heir to the throne because he, his marriage, I'm sure, is a love marriage as well. But um, you know, he's chosen a an ordinary English girl. <laughs> he hasn't gone for a divorced um, American who's um, biracial. Um, and who's divorced. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, that some people are sort of suggesting that this uh, wedding, you know, the, the Harry and Meghan wedding, mm. is evidence of this dramatic shift in 
and mm. in the royal family and how how much they've modernized and how mm. radical it all is and stuff like that but on on the other hand you kind of think well harry's wedding is really a low risk venture um Absolutely. and it's not as if yeah as you said it's not as if he's the heir to the throne yeah because if william had done what harry has done then mm. it would be a totally different story because probably the, would essentially the the core nuclear family uh, the core of the royal family is still exactly as conventional and as conservative mm. as it was before. We've got William uh, married to Kate. It's all very safe and very conventional Except, of and course, stuff. that uh, Kate is not a member of the aristocracy. Right. She wasn't... Yeah, she's not a member of the aristocracy. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So a slight... That's, that's like the slight hint of modernization that we got yeah. from William and Kate is that she didn't come from the aristocracy, that she was just an yeah. ordinary commoner, um, yeah. you know, uh, the daughter of a, a couple of uh, middle class people, let's say. Yeah. Middle class people who'd done very, very, very well for themselves. Well, yes, self-made people. Yeah. Um, they didn't have old money. Right. Mm. Um, so a little hint of modernization there. But mm. I mean, the, the one with uh, but Harry's wedding is... Just that taken much, much further. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, has there been any critical response to the wedding? Have you read any or seen any negative responses? Read, well, um, not to the actual wedding. Uh, we in the in the Observer on Sunday, because of course the Observer is not a royalist uh, newspaper. Uh huh. Um, the, the criticisms criticism seemed to be for the BBC coverage, which I thought was a bit mean of them. They said it was all very worthy and, uh, worthy. and boring. What do you mean worthy? Because you've said that I, a couple of times now, worthy. Oh, sorry. No, no, don't apologise. I'm just, I'm just um, uh, looking at the know, definition yeah. of this. Well, worthy means, um, oh gosh. It basically means morally respectable or yes. morally correct. Yeah, that's right. Okay, morally, morally respectable, morally correct. Doing and the, the right the, thing. The way they, the way they based what they based that on was the fact that uh, another thing I didn't know about this wedding was that I don't know if it happens in all royal weddings, like royal weddings, I doubt it. But the couple had said they didn't want any presents, and they wanted the guests who would have brought presents instead to donate to some chosen charities. Mm-hmm. And so the BBC decided that at times when there wasn't much going on, um, mainly before the wedding, that they would interview representatives of these various charities. And a lot of them were um, LGBT-type charities and the Terence Higgins Trust and all that sort of thing, which, again, is very modern and also follows on from um, Diana because those were her charities, the the Terence Higgins Trust. What's the Terence Higgins Trust? It's the HIV charity, basically, Okay. um, for people with HIV. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she, uh, Diana took a great interest in that and she I think I don't know whether she was their patient but she certainly did a lot of work for them so Harry probably chose that uh in memory of her anyway they had interviews with various people who were recipients of the um donations from the guests and I thought that was very good but the observer but the newspaper observer, was... all the observer could say about it was that uh, the BBC coverage was rather boring and worthy yeah, but I, I don't know bit... why I don't know why the Observer w- w- was making that criticism because no. the Observer and the Guardian they're kind of the same paper. They yeah. they are you know quite left wing. They're quite socially oriented. You would have thought that they would approve of the of of the BBC's focus on the charity. You would. Work. You would. So I don't really understand what the Observer is no. doing. 
Well, I think it was very difficult for them and The Guardian to report on the wedding at all because they are, of all the papers, they're the ones most likely to have um, Republican views, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. So they probably didn't want to go overboard about it at all. But um, I read a few little snippets from the Daily Mail. Oh, yeah. The Daily Mail being one of the most popular newspapers in the country. And one of the most royalist, I think. And one of the most conservative, traditional and right-wing yeah. and probably uh, royalist in, in the traditional mm. sense. Uh, the Daily Mail also, as a website, is one of the most uh, visited news websites in the world. Really? Yep, absolutely. I mean, they were playing their cards quite close to their chest, but there were some editorial uh, pieces mm. uh, which basically said things like, Meghan Markle had better not use uh, her position as a platform to talk about black issues or feminist issues. Um, and if she does, then she will lose the support of, uh, you know, the uh, people like the Daily Mail. That, really? Yeah. That, I mean, it was one of those editorial pieces where they were saying, how do you think Meghan Markle will get on as a member of the royal family? And the general, piece, the, the general uh, opinion was, she better keep her mouth shut uh, and not use the royal family as a platform. Now, on one hand, this sounds like a threat, yeah, right. It sounds a bit like a threat, as if to say, if you go, if you start promoting feminist uh, campaigns and stuff, then we will um, will destroy you in the press. Mm. But then again, maybe they've got a point because you're, mm -hmm. you're talking about the fact that the Queen has been such a successful figurehead over the years. And why has she been so successful? Partly it's because of the work that she's done, the hard work, the way that she's, you know, you know, all of the um, public work that she has to do, as we've said, mm. and, and stuff like that. But also it's because she's never, ever given yeah. an opinion on anything. Yeah, she never says a word about anything. That's how she's survived. That's how mm. she's she's been such a success. because yeah. she's never had a political point of view, which is... I think probably the the only way that the royal family has managed to to mm. to stay alive, they, and they, it's probably they, one of the it's probably one of the ways that uh, Charles has um, made himself unpopular with certain people is because he doesn't keep quiet. Yes, he uh, goes on about environmental things. issues. He yeah. goes on about organic food and homeopathy yeah. and things like this, and and he gets into all sorts of trouble for doing that mm. because mm. the arrangement is. The deal that we have with these people is, mm. okay, you can, you know, you can live in Buckingham Palace, you can mm. uh, have the crown jewels, you can have all this stuff, you can have this status, mm. um, but um, you, you, can't exp you can't use it as a platform. For, you can't have opinions, okay? You're not allowed to have opinions. You kind of work for the country as, yeah. as uh, our representatives and all that stuff, but you, but you don't get to give your opinions on things. Exactly. So yeah, you've got it. You've got it right. It's there. it's kind of a, a tricky thing for for Meghan Markle because mm -hmm. you sort of think, well, this is wonderful in a sense that the royal family is being modernised mm. and and that we we've now have a mixed race person in the royal family, which is you know great because why not? What's what's wrong with that? I can't see any exactly. reason why we shouldn't have that in the it's royal family. It's a representation family. of the way the world is. It's also a representation of the Commonwealth. 
because mm, absolutely i mean yeah. i saw a picture one of the official pictures of uh the family after the wedding in buckingham mm. palace or in it must have been in in um windsor 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 castle a big yeah. picture of like you know members of both sides of the family all gathered yeah. together mm. and you know it looked a bit like the commonwealth in a way i know mm. that, sh- that the usa is not part of the commonwealth mm. but we we have uh, countries in the commonwealth we, we you know we mustn't forget that the the queen the royal family they don't just represent the uk they represent the entire commonwealth and so many of those places you s- are, are populated by you know people of different ethnic backgrounds mm. you've got sort of dark skinned people uh, who have the queen as their um their figurehead and so having that in the royal family just makes total sense. It represents the the, the diversity that we have in the Commonwealth as a whole. So- Absolutely, which which again is why it's 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 perfect that it's Harry that's done this because he's in a position of some um, author not authority but privilege and whatever. Um, but he's not the heir so he's not the number one he's the number two and so that gives him freedom to do this kind of thing it's a low risk it's a low risk move yeah and he apparently they have said that they're going to take the commonwealth as their special interest ah right well they're going to be doing a big tour of the commonwealth later in the year well there you are um Mm. what some people will be will be thinking right now they'll be thinking Mm. but the royal bloodline (laughs) <laughs> That's what they'll be thinking. The royal bloodline, uh, like like this is, that is like this is Harry Potter. Yeah, the royal bloodline, and yeah. they'll be thinking. Um, and I've seen it in comments on, as I said, mm. the Daily Mail's website. Have Terrible. a look. At, have a look at the comments of the people who who read that website, and you can see what people really think. Oh, and God. and you start to see people saying, you know, sh- I think it's disgusting that it's polluting the royal bloodline. Oh, that's dreadful. I mean, it, it it's it's dreadful. But these these people don't think it's dreadful. They think that they've got a point, and they Ugh. they think, well, look at the royal family. Look at uh, the fact. Look at the family tree, and you'll see that it's a certain ethnic kind of group that dominates the the the, the family line, and that they they think it's not right that someone from a different ethnic background should be brought in. Mm. But I mean, well, I don't think that really makes any sense, does it? I mean, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, when you well, that was one of the reasons why Diana was chosen because she was perfect. Her bloodline was perfect and unsullied, and all the rest of it. And look what happened there. Yeah, it was a disaster. Yeah. So, based, you know, if you if the royal family is managed based on those kinds of ideas, then it just won't work because no. that kind of ideology is nonsense. I mean, I don't know. It's all. It's all madness, really. Yeah, once you start getting into all that stuff, it's yeah. just like, well, what? Uh? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no, I think I think it's good. I think inclusivity is a good thing. What about the dress? Oh, it's beautiful, <laughs> pure class, as you might expect from an English woman designing in a French firm and it being made in Paris. Perfect. Uh-huh. But no, I thought it was beautiful. I love. I love the fact it was so plain, so unadorned, and yes. uh, just gorgeous. Yeah. Okay. Real class. Absolutely. Classy is the word. Okay. Uh, guests. Oh. Did, did you did you notice any particular guests? <laughs> My goodness, and that was different as well because most royal weddings are full of um, dignitaries from foreign countries and so on, and I don't think there were any. Um, 
no, no the, we got the, 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 sorry the politics was completely kept separate so uh the prime minister wasn't there no there weren't really no any. politicians um, which john, was good john major was there yes he was that was interesting wasn't it i don't know why he was there no. he's the only politician that, that that made an appearance i think yeah i think so i guess but no I, I mean it was it was fascinating to see them um Everybody raved about uh, Amal Clooney. Is it Amal? Yes. Clooney. And she did look fantastic, but she was a bit too cool for my liking. Um, yes. And I thought the Beckhams just looked extraordinary. In, in Extraordinary in a good way? or No. I mean, <laughs> Victoria looked like she was at a funeral. Yeah, she did. I, yeah. I don't think she smiled once. I don't think she can smile. I think no. her face. I think her face is just locked now. <laughs> I think honestly, I think she's had so much work. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, I don't it, know. It, it, just... it seems that it's like her face is just stuck like that now, and yeah. she, she can't express emotions. No, she looked as miserable as sin all the way through. Yeah. And uh, David, I mean, all those tattoos, I just can't bear them. He just ruined his looks, as far as I'm concerned. But he was. Um, but quite... El- and Elton John was funny. Oh yeah. dear. Yeah. Why? But he said, "Well, the, his expression is so funny. Whenever he's." Got his face is at rest. His mouth turns down more like any any other person's mouth I've ever seen. Wait, you mean that he's got resting bitch face? <laughs> I've never heard that before. You've never heard that before? No. Okay, resting bitch face. That's yeah. that's when a person's... Normally it's for a woman, but I mean, for Elton John, I think it, it also applies. <laughs> um Resting bitch face is when uh, a person's face, when, when their face is just resting, yeah. so when it's just like the neutral position of their face, yeah. they yeah. look like a mean bitch. Yeah, well, that's how he looked, yeah. So that's resting, so he's got resting bitch face. Uh, well, yes, if that's the definition, then he has. Yeah, but... But uh, John, uh, what's it, David Furnish seemed to be loving it. That's his husband, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 one of the things, one of the moments that made me laugh out loud was... When um, what was his name? Michael Curry, the the preacher, yeah. was doing his thing, yeah. and at one point we saw Elton John and his face. He just looked. Uh, he just had this look of like, oh my god, yeah. what is this guy doing? He just yeah. had a look of a horror on his face. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. It was yes. And there was a wonderful shot during Curry's um, address of um, Zara Phillips, Princess Anne's daughter. And her husband, you know, the rugby player. Mike Tyndall. Mike Tyndall. Tyndall. Um, and she was, I mean, she's eight months pregnant, I think, poor girl. And she was just sitting there sort of spreading herself out on the on the um, uh, pew with her arms resting on either side. And the look on her face was just brilliant. She just looked completely stunned. <laughs> 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 but they were very sweet. Those two, at one point, they showed them and they were having a bit of a cuddle, which I thought was rather nice. Yeah, it does make a change from the usual sort yeah. of um, lack of emotion that you see in these I think a lot of events. the younger generation are a bit more relaxed like that, which is good. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, um, but, uh, yes, and uh, I, it was funny to see James Corden there. You think, God, he's come a long way. Yeah, from from back in his early appearances in, uh, what was it, Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, well, I first saw him years ago in Alan Bennett's play, The History Boys, when that first came out. We saw him at the National and he was like a young, a chubby young teenager. Yeah. Never thought that he'd get as far as he has. Yeah, he's done very well, hasn't he? He has. It's yeah. incredible, actually. Mm. Yeah, and there he is at the in the absolute top 
top mm. level of celebrity that you can get <laughs> yeah. rubbing shoulders with the royalty and uh um the the Cloonies and Oprah yeah. Winfrey yeah Serena Williams and yeah, El- I didn't realize that was Serena Williams until afterwards yeah yeah. Um, and uh, who was the other one? Um, 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 oh, I've forgotten. There was another one that I specifically noticed and I've forgotten. I who don't it know. Was. Sarah Ferguson. Uh, uh, oh, she looked a bit weird. Fergie, Sarah Ferguson. Mm. She turned up sort of on her own, didn't she? She did. She's a bit like the um, the, 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 the bad fairy at the, the christening. The evil stepmother. <laughs> The evil godmother or something. I don't know. I'm sure she's perfectly harmless, but she's a strange character, really. But what about Andrew and Fergie's kids, uh, Eugenie oh. and Beatrice? Oh, very strange. What were they wearing? They were, well, really weird stuff. I mean, one of them looked as though, I don't know, she was dressed as though she was 80 years old. Well... Um. <laughs> <laughs> one of the I don't know which one it was, but one of them looked, I don't know looked, which is which. She looked like a nurse or something. She, yeah, that's right. That's the one. It's like this sort of this this uh, pale blue uh dress with this white yeah. hat. Um yeah. but I think I guess because the last time at William and Kate's wedding they wore mm. those outrageous hats. They did. They looked like sort of um they looked like alien dignitaries. <laughs> Like, like, like they would be, they were visiting from another galaxy, you know, <laughs> like something like extras from Star Trek yeah. is what they looked like in, in yeah. William and Kate's wedding. But then this time their hats were a lot more plain and very much so, but, but equally like in bad taste. Yeah. Like I t- they just look so terrible. <laughs> they did. Yeah, poor girls. Oh dear. I mean, I, you know, it's it's very mean of us to 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 to, to, to judge them in in this way, it is. isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, at least Well, this is the this is the downside of being part of the royal family that you've got people commenting on the way you look all the time, people who don't know you from Adam. Yeah, you've got you and me on a yeah. on a on a public podcast i know judging what, them and laughing about them what gives us the right to do that well what gives is us that, the right that, to that, do it that's the price they have to pay for all their privilege i suppose see this is what the the press the way that the press uh will mm. justify yeah. this is they say well they're public figures mm. and you know that's the deal as we yeah. mentioned before the deal is that they get to drive around in rolls royces and they get to be members of the the royal family they get top status and they're all this money and they get support from the taxpayer although i don't know if eugenie and beatrice get any money it. from us i doubt it uh, uh, and they get to go to these w- these weddings and drink the champagne and eat the canapes and stuff and in return we get to say whatever we want about them mm-hmm. but you know um on that point we're talking about the, the royal family and you know whether we're happy to have a, a monarchy and all that stuff. In mm. some countries, they, they do have monarchies, and yet you can't uh, criticise the royal family in some places. And, and criticising them uh, is like kind of criminal. Um, so in a, in a sense, for me, it's, I'm quite happy that mm. we have a royal family and we have the freedom... To oh, mock, to mock them. Absolutely, I wouldn't be happy with that at all. It would, it would be, it would be wrong, wouldn't it? To totally have yeah. to have law to make it illegal to to make yeah. fun of them. Mm. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to say that it's the right that mocking them is is okay, mm. but at least, but having the freedom to mock them, mm. I think, is a, a good thing. Mm. Um, so you know, 
I think it's all right. I think I think yeah. that they're okay, don't you? I mean, they seem to be. Don't you think they can they can take it? Like, yeah, they could probably take a little bit of mockery. Yeah, I mean, I we all so. take it. I mean, good for goodness' yeah. sake! Like, we yeah. all get the piss taken out of us, don't we? We do. Yeah, especially uh, if we're members of the Thompson family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, I I do have some sympathy for them as individuals, yeah. um, and I think it's a pity the way that they get examined so much in the press and their privacy is is uh, invaded um a yeah. lot and i think that you know that's not very cool no um but i think making fun of them a little bit is okay and and maybe maybe <coughs> we don't know eugenie and beatrice we don't know what they think no. we don't know what they say we don't know what they're like uh maybe for them they they are getting together and thinking what crazy stuff can we wear to this wedding you know what kind of crazy <laughs> what crazy things can we do this time to yeah. give people something to talk about? Yes, maybe they're doing it on purpose. It'd be good if they did, wouldn't it? Yeah, if they were doing that. Maybe they've got a sense of humour and they're doing yeah. the whole thing on purpose. They're thinking, well, we we don't want to just wear boring stuff. Yeah, let's yeah. let's dress in some outrageous things and uh, let's have fun with this. Yeah. So yeah, I mm. I quite enjoyed uh, seeing what they were wearing and yeah having a bit of a laugh about it yeah just quickly charles and and, yeah. and what about when the queen dies you said earlier on that you said god knows what will happen when the queen dies yeah what do you think genuinely what do you think will happen first of immediately like in in the in the week in the days and weeks immediately after well the moment the queen dies charles becomes king all right but i mean in terms of the the uh, public's reaction and the um the mood in the country and things like that. I, I uh, yeah, <clears throat> it'll be a big deal um, because, of course, the Queen has been there for so long, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you know you feel as though everything will fall apart, but of course it won't. I mean, we've already kept and made things fall apart ourselves in what we've been doing democratically with Brexit <laughs> in the last couple of years. Brexit, um, really, yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there'll be a huge. Furore. I mean, you know, with the, the funeral and the lying, in, there'll be a lying in state and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm not quite sure what happens with Charles. I mean, he will just automatically become king, but, um, you know, he's, he won't be crowned for, I don't know, a few months because I'll have to, you know, organise the um, coronation. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting, but uh, it's very hard to imagine him as king. I was I, I've read various things uh, online about what would happen when the Queen dies, and obviously, you know, there's the constitutional stuff about how Charles will become king, and then he'll be mm. crowned and stuff like that. Mm. But also things like the fact that, um, um, like, no comedy will be broadcast on television for for two weeks. What? Yeah, I read that somewhere. Where did I read that? In the Metro, I think, um, and and all these other effects. There'll be a, a period of national mourning. And uh, let me see. I'm just trying oh, to... I'm maybe, looking online here. 48 yeah. things that happen in the UK when the monarch dies. This is on Indie100.com. Newsreaders will wear black suits and ties. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Royal Standard will appear on screen. The national anthem will play. Comedy will be cancelled until after no. the funeral. Surely yeah. not. Well, apparently... Pilots will announce her death to passengers. The, Lo- <laughs> the London Stock Exchange will close, potentially potentially costing the economy billions of pounds. Um, 
Um, is all this written in stone, or is this just what they what's happened in the past? Um, I mean, just because it's happened in the past doesn't mean to say it'll happen this time. Uh, there's been a pretty extensive plan in place ever since the 1960s. It's called London Bridge is Down. Hmm. This will be communicated to the Prime Minister of the UK, and it will kickstart Operation London Bridge, hmm. possibly the most detailed funeral plan in modern UK history. Uh, and it, it just it goes on and on and on. Camilla Parker Bowles, the Duchess of Cornwall, will become Queen Camilla. Then there's the funeral and after the funeral, all sorts of things, just tons and tons of things. But in terms of the effect it's going to happen on, on the UK, I mean, there'll be all the constitutional changes. But the general mood, I think, will be quite a profound uh, sort of sense of loss and grief mm-hmm. because the Queen has been a kind of a rock mm. over the last 65 plus years. Yeah. Um, she's been so consistent throughout mm. all of the changes. And, you know, one of the purposes of the monarchy is to provide a sort of... Um, stability. Stability and a, and a kind of, um, yeah, stability throughout everything. Mm. Um, you know, even when there are all sorts of other changes, you, there's this kind of unbroken chain back through the years and uh the queen has kind of done that job very effectively and when she goes yeah i think it's going to it it could be very symbolic considering Mm. um considering what's going on with uh brexit and the fact that the united kingdom is under threat you know with scottish independence and uh border issues in northern ireland and all the, and all these sorts of things. I think the fact that the queen, when the queen goes, I think it will be uh, quite shocking um, mm. and symbolic uh, moment. And uh, yeah. I wonder how Charles will will get on as as her uh, her uh, her what successor. Yeah, that's what we're all asking ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm, we'll I see. don't know. Some people seem to think that they'll skip him. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think. I don't know how that can happen. No. They can't just skip skip him. I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, the, the whole... There are rules. There are rules, you know? Yeah. The, the, the whole thing is based on rules. Did you ever see that play, King Charles III? No, I didn't, but I think you told me about it. But go on. Yeah. Well, that that's based on that scenario. The Queen has died and uh, Charles is getting ready to take over. And it's 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 written like a Shakespearean play, like uh-huh. a Shakespearean history play. In fact, it's that's why it's called... I think it's called King Charles III, A History or something. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and um, all sorts of things happen. You know, there's sort of uprisings in various places and uh, there's lots of machinations behind the scenes. And um, what's her name? Kate becomes the the um, the Lady Macbeth character who persuades her husband, William, to... <laughs> Uh, usurp his father and uh, in the, it ends up with Charles being sort of cast out, uh, cast aside and King William takes the throne <laughs> in really? a sort of coup d'etat almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds funny, but and it was funny in lots of ways, but it is very good, very interesting and quite thought-provoking. But I can't see that happening. Imagine, though, if, if uh, Charles becomes king. We don't know when this will happen, of course. Mm-hmm. The Queen could go on. For ages more, you know. I mean, mm, she, well, her mother was well over 100 when she died, Exactly, she? yeah. I mean... Uh, she could go on for another 10 years. She could, or, or more, you know. She seems to mm. be in quite good shape. <laughs> uh, but anyway, when it does happen, God knows, maybe Charles will start, will, will start, you know, uh, 
saying this, that, and the other about uh, uh, about the European Union, or he'll give yeah. his opinion. He'll give his mm-hmm. opinion on Brexit. Or yeah, it could create stir sort of, up all sorts of yeah, things. It could be a constitutional crisis. The press might mm. turn against him, mm. and then there'll be a referendum. <laughs> should we keep Charles, or should we chop his head off? Oh no! Surely it won't come to that. No, it won't. Of course not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know well, we've gone mad. We haven't gone quite that mad, have we? Well, not yet. Mm. Um, Mum, thank you. For, right. Thank you okay. for talking to all of us and sharing your um, your thoughts on the royal wedding. <laughs> it certainly was an entertaining spectacle. It was. It was great, and I do wish them well. I hope it all works out for them. Yeah, me too. Mm. As human beings. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I just hope that they're happy and that they have a happy yeah. uh, a happy time because it's yeah. it would just be horrible, wouldn't it, if we yeah. if we observed them like getting unhappy and yeah. if we saw them sort of breaking up and there was a yeah. painful divorce and we don't want that. We just want everyone we to we just want everyone to live happily ever after. We do. That's what princes are supposed to do and yeah. princesses. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. And, um, well, you know, speak to you soon. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. So there you go. That was my chat with my mum. The uh, the storm is still going on outside as I record this um, this ending to the podcast. So you can probably hear the rain, as I said before. Um, so there you go. That was that was uh, what my mum thought of the royal wedding. Check out the page for this episode on the website because you'll see a couple of videos that I've posted there, including some extracts from that uh, unconventional address by Michael Curry, the minister who spoke uh, during the ceremony. Uh, also, there's a little list of some bits of vocab, not a full list, but uh, at least some of the bits, some of the words that my mum used that you might not know, words like staid and high-bound and stuffy and worthy and hushed and reverent and solemn and sober and gesticulating and words like that which did come up. I was talking at the beginning of the episode about the British Podcast Awards, so I'd like to just say a few other words um, about that now before the end of this episode. So, yeah, I, I obviously I didn't get gold, silver or bronze, unlike last year when I got bronze. And, yes, I was gutted at the time. Gutted, that means very disappointed. Uh, it's a sort of informal phrase to mean disappointed. So I was gutted on Saturday night when I got the results. So, yeah, I was hoping for a medal this year. And even though many of you voted for me, I didn't get it this time. But it was always going to be a long shot anyway. I was always going to be an underdog candidate in this. Um, And I was disappointed, but now I'm totally fine with it. And uh, I've won awards before for this podcast. So I do already have some awards under my belt. And maybe I was expecting too much. I don't know. But the main thing is this that I'm thankful for what I've got, which is a wonderful audience and the opportunity to record my episodes and have them heard by people around the world. So everything is absolutely fine in podcast land. Uh, The results, gold medal was for Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's film review. No big surprise there. They won the gold medal last year as well. And this one is a this is a BBC podcast and it's the BBC's flagship film review show in fact and it's sort of an institution the podcast has been going for over a decade and it's got a huge and loyal following Uh, Simon Mayo is a very very well-known 
um, broadcaster who's been on British TV and radio for years. And Mark Kermode is probably the UK's most famous film critic. Uh, and yeah, their podcast is is massive and it's got a very loyal following and a huge audience uh, including me and my mum we both uh, are fans of the Wittertainment podcast as it's also known so it's absolutely no surprise that they won again and I totally understand why and in fact I'm very happy for them because I'm a big fan of the podcast myself the silver medal went to the Anfield Rap uh, who got the silver medal last year as well actually the Anfield Rap is the number one Liverpool Football Club fan podcast so, so it's for fans of Liverpool Football Club. And as you can imagine, uh, the Anfield rap is massive with Liverpool football fans who are very numerous and passionate about their club. So that was the silver medal. And then the bronze medal, which was my position last year, that was won by a newcomer in the podcast game called George Ezra. His podcast is called George Ezra and Friends. George Ezra is a famous musician who's been on very well-known TV shows in the USA, like Saturday Night Live and The Late Show with James Corden, two of the most high-profile TV shows on American TV. So he's a, he's a high-profile celebrity with a large fan base and connections with people at the very top of the pop world. The podcast is pretty new, but his guests include people like Ed Sheeran, Lily Allen, and Elton John. So these are top-tier celebrities. Obviously, what I'm doing here now is I'm kind of... I'm, what am I doing? I'm trying to kind of make excuses for, for why I didn't win. Um, maybe, but I'm also just explaining what's, you know, what actually happened. Check out that thunder. My God. That is loud. So anyway, um, George Ezra and friends, this is the podcast that took my bronze medal away from me. Uh, I was usurped by George Ezra, which, again, I mean, I'm not surprised considering he's got Elton John and Lily Allen and Ed Sheeran on his podcast. But anyway, not winning a medal, it feels a bit like an anticlimax, doesn't it? I sort of expected to win something again, and I probably raised your expectations by saying that I had a good feeling about it and I felt a disturbance in the force and so probably everyone expected me to win. Well, I might not have got a medal, but I was in the top 10 and that's still a massive achievement. Um, um, So there was no shortlist of nominated podcasts in this category, by the way. You could vote for absolutely any podcast from the UK and apparently I count as being a British podcast. Um, So being in the top 10 is not nothing. I beat lots of other big people who didn't get into the top 10. People like Russell Brand. I beat him and Adam Buxton, Richard Herring and almost all the other big UK podcasts. So I'd like to say thank you very much to my listeners. um, And uh, that's just wonderful. So thank you for voting, even if I didn't get one of the medals. Um, I I don't get the satisfaction of putting a medal on my website. And it's also a bit disappointing that I hassled all of you over and over again. I asked you again and again and again to vote. And many of you did vote. Uh, but, you know, it's a pity that after hassling you like that, we don't have a medal to show for it. Thunder in the background. But yada yada, I'm still happy. And that's that. All right, then. Good. Fine, 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 fine. Good. Thank you so much for listening to this. I'm, I look forward to reading your comments on the website, if you have any. Did you watch The Royal Wedding? Um, and uh, what did you think? Do you have any thoughts about all of it? And um, what do people in your countries think of 
the monarchy in the UK. And when you look at the TV footage of of Britain um, when there's an event like this happening, what do you think? Do you think, oh my God, they're all mental? Look at them wearing their Union Jack clothes, or do you think, oh, they're great, they're great? It's like really fun and like a great celebration. Um, do, if you don't have a royal family in your country, do you sort of do do you feel like it would be nice? Would you, if you could have one, would you have one? Um, and if you do have a royal family in your country, how do they compare to the British royal family? And for example, can you criticise them publicly? Um, you know. So let me know your thoughts as ever on the website. Thank you very much for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. Uh, but for now, it's time to say goodbye, bye, 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 bye. for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.